0: Hopefully as we begin this journey through the next six and a half days, uh, what we assimilate into our being today will be taken with us into wherever the adventure leads. And we've been doing a four-week series on the notion of things being rooted in our life in Christ and our life together, how roots actually play a role in so much of what we do. And how many, how many of us in the room, for example, have a tree or branches or something that uh, has somehow been destroyed or blown over from all the storms that we've had? It seems like everywhere you turn, there are roots staring at you that you normally don't see. It's uh, a weird year, isn't it? And I think sometimes when something is so obvious and so evident, it's God's way of saying, why don't you take a minute and just reflect on roots? because they do mean something whenever it comes to our faith. They actually have a lot to do with how well we can live out our faith and how well our faith will be sustainable over time. And for three weeks we've been talking about different facets of roots, and this week uh, one of them that uh, we haven't covered is kind of veering into the negative a little bit, but I think in in the end uh, it'll be a positive experience. As uh, we take a look, um, many of us who have uh, been tracking it so far have looked at a variety of trees, whether it is uh, sequoias or uh, looking at, well, sunflowers aren't exactly trees, but they, they do kind of have that sort of look, and oak trees. And while we're on the topic of oak trees, uh, I, um, I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but right just not very far away from here, I discovered something. One day my son Christian came home from Parks Greenhouse and he wanted to tell me, if if you've heard me mention Christian in a sermon before, um, you know this is probably about the thousandth time you've heard that. But one thing that if you're new here is he's the kid that loves plants and anything that involves plants, he is uber excited about. And notwithstanding the fact that whenever he came home from work of all places, Parks, Greenhouse, go figure, He discovered from the owner, Tim Parks, that just right around the corner from where he worked was allegedly the largest, or perhaps the oldest, white oak tree in the state of Ohio. And when when he became aware of this, he couldn't get home fast enough to share that with the rest of us. Now, if you're like me, I'm learning to appreciate things that are green and organic, but I'm also learning to unappreciate them as I have to attend to them with a chainsaw but that's neither here nor there other than to say that his enthusiasm was almost contagious. I could see where he was like, yeah, now I can drive by that tree and I can just savor all of its goodness as the largest white oak. So if you can't get there in your head right now, just imagine something that you get real excited about and you'll know what I'm talking about. Knowing that this is the case and being aware of where the tree is and having seen it a number of times because he wanted to come home, during, uh, from, from different things happening up in Boardman and Canfield, uh, we, we've seen it a lot. And he was down in Ohio State uh, recently and we were talking about all the carnage that was occurring in yards and woods and all kinds of places where there are branches and trees laying on the ground. And my wife decided that it would, it would be interesting to tell Christian that that white oak you know that you love so much guess what happened to it and we're in the car and it's the car speaker phone talking and so everybody's hearing the conversation and I look at her and I'm like don't do that to him and you could just hear silence like his heart stopped and I said Christian your mom's pulling your chain don't listen to her and I looked at Manny and I said, don't do that to him, that's just not right, the kid's gonna be traumatized from what you just said. As a matter of fact, the counseling is just concluding, thankfully, and I think, he's gonna, I think he's gonna pull it out. So, the bullets dodged and life is good. But my son, you know, and sometimes these things do take on a life of your own, and I have another son, his name's Stephen, and he decided he would come home last week and just tell me something important. And I'm like, what's on your mind, Steve? He said, well, you know that white oak that Christian likes so much? Guess what? It fell over. I'm like, you know what? We need to get some fresh (laughs) material. He said, no, I'm serious, Dad. It fell over. I'm like, you're trying, but it's not working. And then he said, look at my phone. And then he showed me. And here's how this thing played out. Well, I'm just going to, first of all, start with a map. So you know where I'm talking about. And the map is Cantrell Fair up on the left, fairgrounds, and in the circle, that's the tree. And as you zoom in, you can see that it's a pretty good-sized tree. And while I don't have a picture of that tree, we discovered online that there's a tree that looks very similar. It looked kind of like that. That's not the tree, but it's a tree that looks kind of like the tree that we're talking about. Now, Christian would say, no, it's nothing like the tree because that tree has a branch going this way and that way. So, nice try, but just bear with me. Stephen came home and he said, this is what I'm talking about, Dad. And I just about fell over. I just gasped. And as he just showed me the slideshow of trees, I'm like, this is what's left after two very big uh, tree company trucks spent several days deconstructing everything that was laying on the ground. And finally you see this, that is literally hollowed out in the middle, which surprised me because I never thought of all the trees that would fall over in the state of Ohio, it would be that tree. I mean, it was just so powerful and majestic and epic. You're like, you could have a level F5 tornado come through and it'd probably be like, whatever. But for some reason, just a little gust of wind said, It's your time. And it fell over. And I'm looking at these pictures and I'm thinking, I was totally unaware that on the outside, as pristine as that tree appeared to be, on the inside it was just rotting from decay. There's nothing in there. Isn't that weird? But I think in so many ways, as we look at different aspects of nature, it is just God's way of saying, when these things happen, they are worthy of meditating on because they actually are a way of being a signpost to a greater reality that is going on in the spiritual realm and is going on in your life and in your heart. Paul does talk about how creation does display the glory of God and how we have no excuse because if we pay careful attention to what's going on, we see that God's speaking to us, whether through the very word of God itself or whether through all the aspects of creation, there is something to be heard. And my question is, are you able to hear what I have to say today? Because it does have bearing on that experience. Now... There's a scripture that I wanna focus on this morning that comes from the book of Hebrews. And if you've ever read through the book of Hebrews, it just quotes the Old Testament almost almost nonstop throughout the course of the whole telling of the storyline. It's a New Testament book, but it's heavily laden with Old Testament information. Why? So that you and I can be the people that we need to be when the storms come, for example. When life really just hammers us in ways that we didn't expect or foresee. When in some cases, maybe there's somebody around us who's a good pretender, but has never really experienced. And I dare I say true salvation, where they have done all of the church things and all the formalities, but they've never in a very heartfelt sense said, God, I need you. I need you to save me. I need you to rescue me. I need to be made right. I need to find a new day in you. And for people who have experienced that level of brokenness or dependency, it's pretty easy to read the scriptures and hear God shouting. But for other people that I've known who just kind of sort of gone through the God motions but didn't really change much there were some some concerns that the writer of hebrews had in the back of his mind that people who were along for the ride but not really paying attention sometimes weren't very effectively controlled in their spirit by the things of god and they were they were causing some problems now just setting it up that way I, I, I want to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 through 17. Just a few brief verses that describe roots from the standpoint of bitterness. So let's, let's just take a look if we can uh, find those scriptures. The writer says, Therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. Let's just stay right there with that, with that slide. And as we do, I, I want to stop for a second and just take that word and I want to process it with you for a second. Have you ever personally felt a moment or a season of bitterness? And maybe this will help trigger that memory. Somebody said something to you that you knew was just blatantly wrong and it made you angry and every time you saw them, you were bitter about that experience. Perhaps you just have had a series of things happen through no fault of your own. And all you can think of is God Why did you allow this to happen to me? And you start to get bitter towards God because you're thinking it's, if God truly loves me, why why in the world would this series of cascading negative events begin to unfold into my life? I'm not sure about you anymore, God. And bitterness starts to take hold. Maybe you've been to church in the past and somebody who is a person like any one of us And you saw them on a bad day or maybe they were just one of those people that weren't really walking with the Lord carefully. And they put you off in a way that said, I'm never going back to that church. And bitterness began to shut the door between you and any church and God. Perhaps somebody cut you off in traffic. Now I'm starting to meddle, aren't I? And you're thinking, time to get even. I'll find a way to get in front of them and go real slow. Just a little bitter. But hey, it's silly, just for a moment, and I won't keep it. But the bitterness that I'm talking about is a kind that begins to take hold in such a way that it starts to expand into roots. And it begins to be a source for your overall well-being that is creating a toxic sense of who you are as opposed to something healthy. Have you ever been relationally... Estrange from somebody because something happened and you just can't quite get over it, and you see that person, and it's just like you're just kind of surly, and you carry it with you every time you see them. Why? Because you're bitter. Or let me just go one more one more one more place. You have a number of things happen at work. In your personal life, in your life at church, and your life with people that maybe, apart from those venues, you interact with. And they're all just increasingly getting under your skin. Your day didn't start out that way, but something bad happened initially, and then the whole day it's like your demeanor. Well, it's just not been a good day, and my attitude has not really been what it should be. But there is something about savoring that bitterness. Like I almost enjoy being in this bitter and angry state. And if that's happened to you, then what the writer of Hebrews is saying is, be very careful that you don't feed that thing, because it will grow like a a thistle. It will just sink a taproot as deep as it can, as quickly as it can, and then you will just be as prickly as anything in the, in the world. You know, there are days whenever I come home and my wife is real positive, and whatever I got going on in my head, all of a sudden she's looking at me, she's looking at my body language, and you can just tell that she just kind of wilts, and the temperature, temperature of the room starts to change. And it's all because, well... Because I've brought something into that situation or set of circumstances that has just just rippled into everything that's going on in our home. Bitterness is so contagious that when one person in a church, for example, says, I'm really upset about this or I don't like that or the sky's falling or there's hand ringing. It's amazing. I've seen this time and time again. Just takes one person, and then all of a sudden, everybody's sort of like kind of affected by it. And then there's an anxiety that just ripples into the energy of everything that's happening all around, and pretty soon, one person has undue influence on a broad swath of people within that environment. It's one of the fragile things about being a part of a church, leading a church. And it's why the Apostle, not the Apostle Paul, it's why the writer of Hebrews said, be careful that this root doesn't take hold because it will not only impact you and begin to toxify your very well-being, it will start to create a toxic environment for everybody. And that is a concern because roots matter. And how you tend to your roots is very critical for how well we can do what we do together. And the writer says, don't let this happen. Be careful, pay attention to how you tend them. Now I was talking to another friend of mine at Park Stream House and he was telling me about a client that bought a plant and this person had, well, he'd come back about a month after purchasing and they said, this plant, this plant ain't no good because I'm watering it, and I'm doing what I need to be doing, giving it sunshine, and and it seems like it's just, well, it's not, not doing what you promised. My friend Tommy said, well, let's just kind of break this down a little bit. Are you giving it sunlight? Yeah. Are you giving it water? Oh, yeah, plenty of water, about a gallon a day. And Tommy's looking at him like, how long you have this again? About a month. So you've given this little plant 30 gallons of water, why? I wanna tell you something. The plant may look like it's gonna make it now, but if you dig into the soil a little bit, it's probably rotten. And it's only just a matter of, a short matter of time before all that rot will begin to expand into the thing that you see above, the, above ground. And that rot is just gonna make that plant die. Chances are, my friend, it's game over for that plant it's just dead plant walking I mean it's just there's no no future here and you look at stuff like that and you say I never saw that coming I wasn't aware that all that was going on inside until it just started to manifest itself on the outside but this is where the problem is some of you have been bitter because of things that have happened to you by other people and rightly so you should perhaps be just a little upset until you find resolution some of you are bitter because of circumstances unfolding in the way that they do have created a sense that God's not really paying attention like he needs to be in my life and maybe you're looking at the things that go on and you think what did I ever do to deserve this God I've tried to be a good person I've tried to be a servant I've given money to the church I've tried to be an encourager and then and then this garbage happens God where are you and why And one thing I can assure you is life is a test it's a trust and it's a temporary assignment And the testing part of it is the part that we don't like, isn't it? It's the part that says, well, God's aware of what's going on inside of you. And whether you see it or not, he sees some stuff in there that quite honestly needs to come out. And maybe you don't even see it and you're not even aware of it until, well, until you're tested, Until some things start happening... That begin to show, based on your response, what really is inside of you. And we know God's hit a nerve when our response is reacting way beyond what the conditions would require. And maybe God allows that to happen to you and I. Because he's not so much interested about your situation right now and what you're going through. As much as he is about what is going on inside of you and in the long game that is our life in him he's saying this has got to come out but he's also promising on the back end I'm gonna work it together for good even if you trust me but it's the part of taking that stuff in us that has to come out that's hard you know the stuff that We don't even sometimes know it's there until somebody triggers us. Or they push our button. And then you're like, I'm justified in being this way. And and Jerry, I'm not thinking of you, okay? So just just saying, Jerry's got his own challenge. He and I are in the same club. And feel free to ask us about it sometime, but we're not going to bring it up here. But it is true, isn't it? It's all true. And God is working in your life. In ways predictable. and ways unpredictable. Because we don't see it. And so the testing. Has to happen for believers. If I had a dollar. For every believer. That I know. In the 35 years I've been doing this. That came into an environment like this found the joy of the Lord and enjoyed what was happening in church and had all the honeymoon feel-goods until, until that thing happened, which does happen. I wish I could tell people right out of baptism is, is going to happen. Don't, don't like be sitting around saying, when? But just know that it's going to happen. And you're going to be saying, I'm trying to give my life right here, God, and it's happening. And I just want to tell them Be patient and just just sit tight, trust God, walk into it, talk to him a lot as you're doing that and on the other side, something good is going to happen and he's going to make you a more solid human being if you can just persevere through this trial. There is no trial that you're going through, my friends, that God's not aware of. And He may not have caused it, but He will definitely leverage it for His purposes if He can. And your responsibility and mine is to just pay attention. We could be saying, well, I'm going to church a lot, I'm reading my Bible a lot, I am oversaturated in all the things of God, but I'm not really paying attention to what those things are supposed to do according to their purpose and helping my soul to be what it needs to be there's a lot of people who check all the religious boxes and then they say God I'm doing the right thing and God may be saying you know what your problem is you're overwatered. you need to get out and you need to pay attention to what all that nourishment is designed to do in the first place and it is to help you on the road it is to enable you along the way now, I know when God looks at each of you, he says, I do love you. I've pulled you in despite what you've done or what, you know, what you're carrying. and I've given you grace upon grace through a blood stained cross because what is happening in your life matters to me that much. But this root issue is concerning. Concerning for two reasons. One is, I'd hate to see the day When things in church didn't go your way, and you said, I'm done. And I hate to see the day that prior to things not going the way you wanted them to go, that your bitterness just was broadcast throughout the whole thing. And everybody felt the contagious effect of the impact that it'll have on the body. You know the thing about root rot is if you have plants and they're together and one of them starting to rot, guess what happens? It just likes to jump from one plant to another, to another, to another. And so the writer of Hebrews says when that root rot is happening, you, you have to address it. You have to have a conversation. You have to do what needs to be done, as painful as it is, because it will rot the whole thing if you're not careful. And that's the hard part because, well, part of us says, I didn't bring the rod in in the first place. But then God says, no, but you have to somehow get a handle on it. And in the text that we read, it says that you should do so peacefully in the right spirit. Well, I know I'm kind of swimming around here a little bit with this, but I want to just break this down into things you can take away with you. And one is, that there are, there are roots that you and I carry around every day that God wants to, 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 to make healthy. And he'll use testing to allow that to occur. The second thing is, if you have unhealthy roots and they start to expand into a larger network of unhealth, it will seep into your very spirit. And rather than coming to church with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness, and faithfulness and self-control you will be consumed by anger bitterness rage all of those things that our ego does whenever we just whatever well whenever it gets hurt honestly and god says i don't want that stuff to impact the people around you and so we have to be careful don't we how well we manage the health of our roots. And the last thing I wanna say is, not only does it impact what's happening internally, not only does it impact what's happening within us together as one another's in this body, but then it also can impact the reputation that we as the family of God have beyond the boundaries of what, what takes place here. When I saw that oak tree and all of those, well, all of that nothing that was inside of it, it made me think for a minute, what would happen if I was just a Christian, telling everybody what a great Christian I am, having Jesus bumper stickers plastered on the back of my car, except when everybody's speeding, then I'd have like a little thing that went over it so they didn't see it. just projecting everybody got all together and then one day test comes boom and people look give it a second look and they're like well there's nothing there to begin with there's all smoke and mirrors That whole family, maybe they're all smoke and mirrors. Maybe they're all hypocrites. Maybe I shouldn't have anything to do with that in the first place because it's all based on a lie. And so when the root of bitterness starts to creep in and everything inside starts to die and then everything collapses and people look and they say, yeah, that, my friends, is why I don't go to church. So it's serious business when we think about our root care. And I'm, I'm a horrible person with not so green of a thumb. But when it comes to the things that God has placed in front of me to try to hopefully unfold, we all together are on this journey of trying to understand how it is that we can stay healthy. Because the honest truth is, I've got your attention for about 30, 40 minutes. 30 on a good day for you guys. And then the rest of it, Everything that you take in here and that helps to define who you are as a believer is feeling the full on assault of being redefined by what everything everyone thinks about out there. My guess is the reason you're here in the first place is you're kind of tired of being defined by things that, quite honestly, are empty. And you want to be defined by something that has substance. That the very core of your being says, when I am tested, I'll be a healthy oak. I'll be solid. Maybe I'll be a little wobbly and shaky. But the testing has happened enough that I'm starting to get strong and I'm starting to have health in my inner being and when the storm comes I'm still standing and if we're sequoias we're standing together entangled together in the roots not just together belonging one another we can't do it alone but we also have to attend to our own rotten roots or we're going to rot the roots of other people around us. I love this place. I love everything that this place represents because it's a signpost in its collective identity to the one who is our savior that can make all this stuff possible. It's not just us being good gardeners that makes it happen. It's us being connected to the garden Gardener, who is gardening us that enables the life to thrive. If you're not connected to the gardener, everything I said has a limit on how helpful it can be. But if you are connected to the gardener, he's going to work on you. He's going to prune you. He's going to work on those toxic roots. It's going to be painful. You're not going to like it. But my friends, Please, please, please underscore, do not get bitter when it happens. Because he's doing it out of a deep love he has for you and a deep love that he has for this church. And you've got to get that clear in your head when stuff happens because it will. And know that God is in the business not only of pruning, not only of purifying, not only sanctifying, not only of bringing us peace and making us holy, but he's in the business of creating a people that are a representative light to a people beyond the boundaries of this place. who are still walking in darkness, who are keeping it all propped up, and then you hear the story, oh yeah, that person killed themselves, I never saw that coming. I didn't know what was going on inside of them. Well, that person, everything just fell apart in their world just now. I didn't know that because they seemed to have it all together. And God says that, that would be us without him. I'll just end this by asking the question. Is he in your life? And do you relate to him sometimes as a gardener at work in your life? When the things happen in your life. That make no sense. And when you do. You'll start connecting dots. And say God allowed this didn't he. So that what's inside of me. Could come out. And I could could name it. I could call it up. And I could say. That no longer has control of me. And that's just another word for repentance. And So maybe God's been naming things in your life. That are toxic. And you're saying. Don't go there, Pastor. I'm not going there. But he is, and if he does, it's because he loves you more than anything. Hang with it, and we will hang alongside you in the process. So I'm going to end this series with the expectation that if we are rooted and our roots are entangled, that the days ahead are going to be awesome. But I'm also going to leave here knowing that there are some people who are disconnected from the gardener. And I want to do everything that I can as God enables in what I say and God enables in what you hear to become a part of his world and his garden. And finally, as I just end this series, I just want to look forward to more awesome things. So let's end this on a positive note. Now for me, next to God and God's people and Jesus and everything about Jesus, well, if you know me well enough, I just think about Henry Challengers. You know me well enough to know that's the case. So, what I thought we would do is just morph this into another series entitled... (laughs) Drumroll. Entitled... Morph this into another series entitled... (laughs) Ah, uh, there we go, This summer, cruising Through Corinthians, Volume 2, 2 Corinthians, we're going to do four, uh, four different message series in the 13 chapters of this book, and this week, uh, as this week unfolds, we're rooted in the Lord, next week when we gather we'll explore the good, the bad, and the ugly, and do it in style. Even Jesus plates on the back, with a little button on the dash is in their mind. <laughs> let's end this by let's stand, and I want to pray for everything that we've been able to accomplish in this series as God's enabled, and pray, Lord, that or pray to the Lord that it would bear fruit in our lives. Would you bow with me? Father, as we seek your blessing upon the things that we have heard and received into our hearts, that the words from your Holy Scripture would penetrate our very being. That the roots that are in each life here would not only be healthy and sustainable, but they would just begin to thrive. I pray, Father, that as we take the substance of what we've learned today and we think about our testing and our trials, not in terms of a a community of victims that are just looking for the next thing wrong to happen, but a community of the growing, that are looking for the different ways that you are enabling that process, because that is who you are and that is what you want to see happen. So we trust you in our trials We understand what you're doing in the testing. And I just pray that your people would come alongside each other when that happens. That the entanglement of our roots would enable us, Lord, to be your church. And that we would be strong in your eyes and the eyes of the people who are looking for, well, they're looking for a life preserver. That we would not bring root rot into the body in ways that just make it stink but rather in ways that say, yes, I do have these issues, but by the grace of God, I own it, and I want my brothers and sisters to support me in overcoming it. Help us to be the healthy people that are thriving in your name in a world that truly is languishing and dying. Father, I just pray for everyone here and those who have been part of this series that You would bless us as we take to heart those things that you've spoken to us individually in this process. And we thank you, Father, for your help in all these things, which would be impossible without the name of Jesus at work in them. In whose name I pray. And we pray together. And as all God's people say together, Amen.